This is MJ. I'm an author, I'm an artist, I'm an analyzer. You can find all my work at MJMonios.com. This is Writer Tears. Welcome to the spoiler-full Shin Kamen Rider review. I will wait a day or so to put this out. I've got my spoiler-free episode uh, in the can. Well, it's not in the can. It's it's in it's <clears throat> it's recorded. Excuse me. I'm really excited about this. It's uh, recorded and ready to go. It'll be out first before the spoiler uh, review is, or you know whatever spoiler reaction is. And here I go. So, Shin Kamen Rider was an amazing movie. Um, there were, uh, I probably should have said this earlier, but like people laughed, people kind of cheered softly, like people enjoyed moments and there was maybe only 50 of us in the theater, uh, maybe that, um, but everybody seemed to like it. Everybody approved of it. Nobody had a negative thing to say, or at least they didn't say it to me. Uh, and I, I sought, uh, comments from people and, uh, anyway, it was really cool. So gosh, how do I go into, uh, it's very much rooted in the original common writer and the aesthetics of the original common writer but there's a modern there's modern technology there's modern takes there's modern uh takes on the way the suits work on on, on what they do uh, the different capabilities they have there's this parna energy thing and there's this energy projection i can swear or I, i'm confident that i've heard of parna before i almost feel like i've heard of it from like shin megami tensei like it feels like it's a, a, a an urdic word is that what it is urdic word Anyway, like Sanskrit, it sounds like it's one of those words, and it wouldn't surprise me if Parna is a word or a key word used in the Shimagami Tensei uh, Devil, no, 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 Digital Devil Saga, uh, one and two, um, brought to you by Atlas. Um, anyway, so yeah, I would not be surprised if that was the case. Speaking of Atlas, uh, Lotus Juice had a song here, which was pretty cool. It was decent. Um, I like more of his stuff on Persona. You didn't get to hear too much of it in the mix of this movie, for whatever reason. Anyway. Um, Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna share one really silly stupid thing that I didn't like which is that while there's a chase going on in the beginning of the movie and a bike chase through the hills which the landscape in the movie that it showed off was gorgeous and I know one of the things that the original Comrade production did is as the time went on I don't know well because the, they like filmed in the snow and stuff as time went on as the years went on they filmed in different locations and they like filmed every cool location in this area then that area then that area and they like kind of trekked it all across Japan to do, I guess, cool, unique new shots in different places. And uh, it works, you know, it's really cool. So you get to see, you know, cityscape, you get to see, you know, waterworks and power plants and aqueducts and things like that. And then you also get to see like the countryside and, you know, streams and rivers and forests and mountains. And uh, it's really great. That was a really bad Bilbo Baggins. I'm sorry, excuse me. Um, so anyway, uh, they have this awesome chase in this beautiful scenery of the countryside. And there's two big shocker vehicles chasing uh, Hongo and Ruriko, Midorikawa. Uh, and there's a giant spider web in a couple shots between the trucks with a big spider in it. And then it's not there. And it's not that man spider or spider man or whatever is there, which they call them og, spider og. Ko Komo? Komo og? Komoawa? Uh, no, uh, Komo og, like Komo, Komora, I think is spider. Anyway. And then Og for augmented, so augmented spider person, whatever. So, and he's, uh, it's uh, Hopper, oh, Bata Og. It's Bata Og, uh, Como Og, and I don't remember the others, but anyway, those are their names. Anyway, um, which is interesting. So, uh, yeah, he's not like suspended in the web between the trucks, and then there's like a weird continuity thing where the trucks end up splitting apart from each other, and they still, uh, and then like later it has the webs together again and the spider in the middle, which is really silly and goofy, and like, I don't know why you fought for that shot. You should just cut the one in between that showed it where the, uh, 
the trucks were separate from each other, but whatever. Um, but yeah, so like, anyway, Hongo and Ruriko are running away, and then they meet Midorikawa. I'm not going to go into a beat-by-beat, beat, uh, like, breakdown of this. Uh, same thing, Midorikawa gets killed. Ruriko isn't really sad for, like, crazy spoiler reasons. Um, it turns out she's like a, uh, <coughs> a computer programmer. She's very good at computing, I'll just say that. Um, and, you know, eventually things happen to her and, and uh, it turns out that for some reason, so they bring back like the turning into foam thing. It's this protocol that Shocker has in order to stop people from telling uh, what Shocker's all about and spoiling their plans. So that was really interesting. Uh, and, and I loved seeing that effect brought back and it was very cool. But really the, the thing that uh, not surprises me more, I, I, I need to stop recording in a minute, so I'm gonna hurry up and get one big point out and then hopefully I'll remember everything tomorrow when I when I conclude this, um, is that Hongo is very upset at the fact that he has this deadly power and the fact that he has to kill and the fact that he's so vicious in his killing. And there's actually something in the mask, so that the belt, the mask, and the cyclone all together are part of the Parna system for the rider system for the augmented, you know, person system for Shocker. And uh, that's really cool. Uh, and the mask has some sort of programming in it in order to help control his mind. So Hongo has like a defensive mode in the mask that makes him more savage and it makes him fight to survive without hesitation. So he can basically, at least in the beginning, he's brutally killing these guys. He's not murdering them. He's killing them in self-defense. But it's brutal. It's absolutely, he punches a hole through somebody, I think. Like there's blood spraying all over the place. And like, I laughed. It, it felt a little comedic. And not like, oh, this doesn't look cool. It's like, it looked cool and it looked serious. But it was also like shocking and like almost funny how, you know, bloody and violent it was. And, uh, you know, that's interesting because it almost seemed like that scene and the way it was done was a setup because then the next thing we know, Hongo is, you, and you get all these really interesting Ano first person perspective shots where it's like first person, like real super close up to the person, uh, you know, whoever it is, Hongo, Ruriko, different people at different times. And there it's this uncomfortably tight shot where you feel like you're inside of their their head or you're, you know, you are them and you can't escape. And that's the next thing after this, I think they do like a, a title screen or logo or something like that after all the bloodshed and all the craziness of him defeating all these, you know, shocker grunts or whatever. Uh, and then he's in a bathroom by himself looking in the mirror. He's looking at his uh, reflection and he's wondering what he is and who he is, what he's doing. Like he knows who he is, but he's wondering what he's doing. And he says that his body was moving on its own and he couldn't control it, which apparently is true because the you know mask has that ability to turn on his survival instinct so that he'll go and be an absolute killer in order to protect himself. But uh, anyway, it's super interesting because after that happens, he, um, he like takes off one of his gloves and he's got a green tinted, uh, half grasshopper, half man hand. So he really is beyond being a cyborg. He's some sort, some sort of monster. Uh, that's what he's been turned into. And, um, shoot. <laughs> anyway, uh, he has all these crazy scars on his face and he doesn't have a grasshopper mouth, but he has like almost grasshopper like features and skin coming out of his face when he peels off the mask and it, it terrifies him as you know, it would. And it's really interesting and really crazy, especially in light of uh, monstrosities. Just did that first episode of uh, *Comrade Gaia*, 
and it very much ties into this idea of the man becoming a monster in the suit hiding it which is true for the other uh shocker uh cyborg soldiers whatever uh augmented people uh that you see throughout the movie and Hongo's really guilty about having to use his power to kill people, and he has a struggle with that, and he's almost a pacifist, but he does fight and he does kill to protect life, and that's the important thing, he comes around to that, and it's really interesting, that emotional journey for him throughout the movie, especially because other people do not share his doubts. More on this later. So I'm back. It's time for me to go completely off of memory and hope that I get everything right. The characters who lack doubt are Ruriko, Midorikawa, I'd say uh, Hiroshi, Midorikawa, which is the professor, which I don't know if he was always Hiroshi or if that was a nod to Hiroshi Fujioka or not, but uh, either way, that's his name, Professor Midorikawa, and then I would say that uh, Ichimonji doesn't have much doubt, but there's a little bit in there. You'll see that later, uh, as I get more to him. I don't think this line from Ruriko is in the trailers, but it's in the movie enough to be, I don't know, her theme or to have it be almost a joke at some point. She says she's always prepared, that no matter where she goes, she's always prepared. At one point, she says, I think she says that life is a battlefield and she's always prepared. And you do see that she is quite frequently prepared to go into every single situation that she encounters. There's one towards the end that she uh, she wasn't quite prepared for, but she still had like a decent contingency plan in place that made things okay anyway. Um, but she never lacks doubt. She thinks Hongo is too kind and too gentle, and uh, her father thinks that that's an asset, not a liability, and that that's why he chose him specifically because he knew him uh that's why he chose him specifically to become the grasshopper og which is his greatest achievement it's the most highly developed uh augmented soldier for shocker that he had come up with to date and yeah i guess it's the same where the brainwashing is interrupted it's just they kind of don't show that because we know that it's like not showing Uncle Ben getting killed, right? Anyway, I, I think I, I, I can't hold back anymore. I got to get into the full spoilers to really explain this. So, uh, Shocker was started by an AI developed by a Japanese billionaire who wanted everybody to be happy, and the AI didn't figure that it needs to subjugate all of humanity for humans to be happy. Oh, now it makes sense. Shocker. Be happy. <laughs> um, but that... There is like, an, like a dystopic... Um, there's a dystopic version of happiness for all of humanity that is trying to be reached by Gendo Ikari. I mean, by uh, Shocker's AI. <laughs> and, um, that is basically... Uh, well, it's odd. Within Shocker, there are different elements who want the greatest, who want this goal of happiness to be achieved in different ways, and it's almost like uh, there's different philosophies of how to achieve this greatness, and it's almost that Hongo himself is a uh, 
is a method or a showcase of this is how we can have the greatest happiness for the greatest amount of people. Take somebody who's suffered and who's been through trauma and pain and heal them or you know, help them, assist them to be healed. Give them an example of somebody like that who has healed from what hurt them and found happiness again. And like that's the most stable form of happiness known to man. And that if Shocker can create somebody like that, then that'll kind of show the way to happiness for the rest of us. And that would be okay, according to some individuals within Shocker, that might be the case. But then you have like the spider uh, Og who wants to kill all humans because he hates them and uh, he it's <laughs> there's this really interesting thing with the Japanese language where apparently the kanji I think it's the kanji for happiness and pain are just one stroke different from each other and uh, Midorikawa she says that and later on you'll learn her brother Ichiro Midorikawa says that but he flips it she basically says yeah we can endure pain and find happiness because there's they're so intimately connected with each other and his point is that all joy is fleeting because you're just one stroke away from pain and therefore life is meaningless and that is the big motivating factor for a lot of what he does and I don't know. That's very interesting. The whole thing with Ichiro was very impactful. To think that Midorikawa had a son as well as a daughter, uh, and to learn that the son is actually from his marriage and his wife died, and that pushed him. It's <laughs> it's like if Evangelion and the village and Kamen Rider had a baby, this would be the baby. <laughs> what I mean by that is like, Shocker seems to be a secret society where everybody involved in it, all the major players, are wanting to achieve something greater than themselves so they banded together as a collective to marshal their resources and their knowledge to achieve the goal in kind of a decentralized way like multiple people within Shocker are running their own operations for the objective stated by I uh, and then there's this whole weird thing where the AI named I, as in, you know, me, myself, and I, uh, or the letter I, really, uh, it iterates on itself, it makes a, a body, a physical form for itself, it's not, you don't get to see Big One, or, is that what it was called, Big One, I feel like it was called Big One, but that's also the name of, uh, of the train from Galaxy Railways, although in the Japanese it's called Great One, so it could be Big, I, I don't know, anyway, um, but you know what I'm talking about, you read the manga, right, come on guys, you know, anyway, so, it's, uh, this AI is running it, but I'm a little confused to know if Ichiro was running it or not, as opposed to the AI, or if I itself was, like, if, if Ichiro was just, like, an agent of it, and I is, because it's a machine and has, you know, a, a high intelligence, um, that it has the ability to say, you know what, it does make more sense to gamify this and have different branches all seeking the same ends, that way if one of them, if you know, many of them fail, one of them will ultimately succeed and give us the success we want, which that makes sense. Anyway, he's diversifying his, uh, his dream streams, his outcome streams. Um, but anyway, 
you know, Ichiro believes life is pointless. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Midorikawa, the Midorikawa family uh, faced tragedy, and the... It seems like the others in Shocker also, at least the, the older, the people who are old enough for that, like the Bat, maybe, uh, faced things that put them on this path, and just because they have a reason doesn't mean it's an excuse or that it excuses their actions, of course, but it's kind of interesting to see that these were all people who had had something happen to them, and they were basically stuck in their hurt and pain and not able to move on. Oh. I was going to say this. The billionaire created the artificial intelligence with this goal so that it could outlive him. Uh, later on, he created a, another version of it called Jay, which is a android of it that could be walking around in the world. Then he created a K version of it, IJK. And that basically, he looks like Robot Detective K. Uh, not created by mother, um, not fighting hand, created by a father, and he is the hand of destruction himself. But it's just... An interesting choice. Um, you know, I recently, actually, you don't know this. I recently read the Skullman manga, the uh, uh, Shinomoto Skullman manga, the seven-volume one that we have here in the United States, thanks to Tokyo Pop, I think it was back in the day. Anyway, so I read all of that, and in it, it ends up working in all these different things from Ishinomori's work throughout the years, and. Uh, with the integration of K here, um, it kind of feels like Ano went for a similar vibe, and I would say the characterization characterization of some of the people feels very much like uh, informed by the manga, maybe even uh, like the original manga, and then also like the Shin uh, or the Common Rider Spirits, and maybe even Shin Common Rider Spirits as well, um, which is pretty interesting. Um, but yeah, motivations, Ichiro. So uh, again, I'm going full spoilers. So if you don't want to hear this, don't you know? Don't listen. Ichiro becomes Common Rider Zero. He's a butterfly og. That's what they call him, butterfly og. And it's pretty interesting to see his suit. It, he almost has the double typhoon of V3, but not quite. And his design is sort of reminiscent of V3, but not quite. And again, he calls himself Comrade Zero. Or... Yeah, I think he, at one point he does, he says, he calls himself Comrade Zero, or Master Rider Zero, uh, which was super interesting. Um, but yeah, all he wants is destruction. I don't know. It's, I, I, I'm losing the plot here. Uh, I don't know. The fights were amazing. Uh, there was this weird thing where there's these people from the government who are helping Ruriko and Hongo, and they end up taking out one of the Shocker Ogs on their own, and then that comes back later. And the weirdest thing about that one is they actually say in the movie that basically Hongo wouldn't have been able to take care of it very easily because of the way his Parna system works. And I thought that was odd. Like, that, that doesn't actually make any sense that he wouldn't be able to do that. But anyway, um... <clears throat> Getting into more of the the other aspects of the movie, uh, I would say, uh, so I already covered that the fight scenes were really good. Very interesting. Uh, lots of CGI in them, it looked like to me. Uh, lots of mimicking, uh, like lots of using the old methods as far as the cuts and the jumps and things like that, but then also 
taking those jumps, kind of like in, uh, in is it called Mega Max? The Forza team movie that has, oh boy, I don't know how to say this. Anyway, the Forza team movie, <laughs> basically, I believe it's called Mega Max, where, like, Double O's, uh, Forza and uh, Wizard, I think, all get together, and uh, they're fighting somebody crazy. Uh, but all the old writers, the legendary writers, are back, too. All, all ten of them? Yeah, is ZX there? Z-Cross? Z-Cross? I believe Z-Cross is there. Anyway. Um, and, uh, yeah, that one. They used modern effects with the, you know, current uh, accepted heroic common Rider suits that Rider 1 and Rider 2 have. We got to see the double riders in full effect. I believe that one even features, like, Stronger doing his super mode and some sort of finishing attack. So, like, it takes all the old riders and it gives them... It keeps their suit, their suits the same classic look that they had, basically. And it gives them modern effects and modern finishers. And this one goes even farther. Like, the way that the hoppers uh, are, like, somersaulting and flipping through the air is crazy. Like, it almost made me think about Sonic, but it didn't really make me laugh. It just... It just was kind of funny. Um, but, like, everything else looked cool. Um, there were... A, there was a little bit of jankiness. Like, there's a cop car that gets pushed off of a road during that beginning car chase thing that looks super fake, looks super CGI. And I thought, like, oh, uh, maybe uh, you should have had Super Eye in here to help you guys do more practical effects for, you know, miniatures for this kind of stuff. Uh, and then you could have composited it in there with your CGI stuff. But anyway, uh, and I, I still kind of stand by that. That looked really bad, that cop car. Um, but honestly, for the most part, uh, the rest of the CGI looked really good. Oh, oh my gosh. So, fighting uh, Wasp Woman, there's this incredible... I can't tell if it was, like, stop, like live-action, stop-motion animated on Hongo, because he's moving in a very staccato motion, while the Wasp Woman is going... Apparently, she's a speedster now. She's going super fast, running around doing stuff, and... Uh, she's got all this, uh, like, electric blur coming off of her. You know, lightning bolts. No, uh, close, though. Uh, she's got all this electric blur coming off of her. And, like, I honestly, I couldn't tell if it was, uh, like, really, really high-quality hand animation uh, or if it was a very nicely done CGI animation or if it was mostly practical with effects put in over it or what. But uh, it looked incredible. It, it remi Honestly, um, it reminded me a little bit of uh, Into the Spider-Verse. I haven't seen the new one yet, so uh, I can only speak for the old one. But, like, this weird pseudo-motion, like, I don't know, like, staccato, like, odd, like, frame rate type thing that's going on, which I hear they use, like, in uh, that new Puss in Boots movie. Uh, it's, it's not new now, but, you know, the latest one to come out. I think the last one. We'll see. But anyway... Um, like they're, I don't know. Like it was, it was either really animated or it was CGI, uh, like really high quality, or if it was this weird blend of live action, you know, animation and stop motion photography and stuff. And it was super interesting, super uh, good effect. And I don't know. It was like really interesting, really compelling to watch. And uh, I liked it. I liked that a lot. And I'm not going to belabor how Ano, you know, had scenes reproduced from the original because I think everybody kind of knows that and I, I mentioned that I touched on that earlier so I do not want to uh, to keep talking about it if I don't have to which I don't so I won't um, uh, 
I really love the emotional story of it all, of Hongo not wanting to be violent. And his actor was, I believe, directed to, like, shake a lot. Like, almost the entire time that you see Hongo in his body armor, they call it, he is shaking a little bit. His head is shaking, his face is shaking. He's, like, shook. He's, he's shaken by all that he has had to do, all the killing he's had to do, and, like, bearing the weight of doing that, which is really interesting. Ichimonji never feels like that. He never has that kind of remorse about what he has to do, um, but he's also... He's just a different person. <laughs> he's still a good person, uh, even though he started off as an evil writer and then he became a good one, or, you know, he, uh, a grasshopper og, and then he became a writer. And, man, gosh, it was so interesting. It was so interesting what they did with him uh, having a little redemption, and it happened all in his head, and it was at the behest of, it was because of Ruriko and her actions, which is very interesting. She's basically like a organic computer being, and she... Yeah, she's basically like an organic computer. She says she's an artificial being made by Midorikawa to use as a tool for Shocker. And she was raised in Shocker. And it's so interesting. Um, especially because it makes for this really interesting dynamic between her and... Uh, I can't remember her name. But Wasp Woman. Her Harumi, I think is her name. Anyway, um, really interesting dynamic between the two of them. Based on the fact that they were basically raised together. And uh, grew up together within Shocker. Um, so, but anyway, the, the redemption thing that happens with Ichimonji is super interesting. It's super fast paced. Um, and you wouldn't think it would work, but it does, especially because I think cause there's consequence to it. Uh, breaking free from the brainwashing is horribly painful for him. And it is for anybody else who, who undergoes that process and it hurts him so much, but he ends up coming back and saving the day because, uh, Hongo and Ruriko, well, <laughs> Hongo and Ruriko were about to die, but Ruriko does die. So th it's interesting how this adapts from the manga, um, and like blends and stuff from the TV show. Cause Ruriko, I think she disappears in the manga pretty quickly. I think, uh, maybe she sticks around. I don't know. I'm, I'm in the midst of rereading it. So, uh, I guess I'll comment on that later. Um, but anyway, the interesting thing is that, you know, ultimately, you know, Ruriko dies, she uploads her consciousness, though, basically her soul, her parna, her prana energy into Hongo's mask, and uh, she ends up orchestrating it so that Hongo can upload his um, prana into his mask, and at the end, Ichimonji gets it, and he utilizes it, and that's how he's Master Rider, and they upgrade it and stuff, so it looks like his other one from the show. Um his, you know, fresh, sparkly, bright green with the white stripe or silver stripe on it one, which is kind of crazy. It actually made me like it, made me like that design choice a lot more, at least for the helmet, if not for the, or the mask, if not for the, the rest of the suit. And he mentions how it's a, a fresh, what is he? He says that it gives him a, a new perspective. The old one looked mean, but this is fresh and new and it uh, gives him a different feeling and he feels like he has a different outlook on life. But more importantly than that, like in the manga, the consciousness, the soul of Hongo gets to live on and work alongside 
Ichimonji as he continues to be Kamen Rider because the shocker threat is not over. Even though there was no explicit sequel bait in the movie, um, it very much feels like it can continue. And except for it, it ended with the end instead of to be continued, like on a on a screen, like you know, original Kamen Rider would always have at the end of every episode to be continued again and again and again. And I think even Ava had that uh, in the run of the anime, which is cool. Um, anyway. Uh, it's interesting because Ruriko and Hongo get to live on together, their souls in the mask of Ichimonji. And there wasn't an explicit romantic relationship between them. Like there wasn't even an implied romantic relationship between them, but there was an intimacy and a trust between them. And like, it, it feels very cathartic and warm and hopeful that they get to, I guess, live on forever with Ichimonji in, you know, in this weird soul space as these souls to, you know, together as companions, friends, brother and sister. I don't know what they're going to be. I don't know if you can be, you know, soul lovers or, or if you even need that, that type of thing at that point or what, but it's just very interesting that they get that. And then that, uh, Hongo gets to live on through Ichimonji and, uh, he tells him <laughs> at the end that the, like the last words are something like, you know, ride faster Ichimonji. I want to feel the wind and all this stuff. Cause I can feel it smell it, hear it, uh, sense it all through your body as well. Cause we're one basically. And that's very much in line with what happens in the manga. Um, at least for a time. Uh, so that was really interesting to me. I'm going to wrap it up there. I might do an addendum and update the, uh, audio podcast version of this. You know, Writer Tears is now officially an audio podcast. You can find, you know, anywhere I'm starting to, I need to work on the distribution for it. Cause I don't have that quite nailed down yet. Anyway, I won't really be able to make adjustments to the video version of it unless I just upload a whole new one, uh, but I think that seems confusing and counterintuitive. However, the audio podcast version of it, I guess because it's running over the podcast protocol, not on a specific platform, so it's, you know, it works differently. Uh, I'll be able to adjust that and make an addendum and add anything more to this if I choose to, which I might. It just, it was a lot. It was a lot. It was a it wasn't a long movie, but so much happened in it that it felt like it was a very densely packed movie, even though there were wonderful moments of quiet and uh, moments of introspection. And yeah, it was, I mean, it was, it was film. It was beautiful. It was art. Um, and I don't know if I mentioned this already, but the, the music was very good. They used old music, um, original versions, maybe remixes, I think, uh, as well as new independent music. There was a very interesting, like, rock uh, guitar, electric guitar um, aspect to a lot of the background music, fight music score. Uh, but there was also, like, uh, orchestral, like, orchestral suites in certain parts of it. And it wasn't, um, I don't know, like, it got a chance to be a beautiful movie and just, like, be a movie. <laughs> like, as much as it's, as it's about these, you know, augmented humans doing this crazy stuff um and going on this you know wild violent adventure and you know quest to save all of humanity because all of humanity is at stake <sighs> like it still got the chance to slow down and like i said through the music it express itself and express scenes in different ways and like there were lots of cute fun funny moments and not even uh i would say like not nostalgia but like just weird moments of personality that you got to see. Even like the cyclone had a personality. And at some point, um, 
Hongo needs to use Cyclone uh, strategically in battle, and he apologizes to it, basically, and then does his thing. And, you know, it's a it's a tough thing. I You know, I didn't even talk about one of the biggest things that happened, but anyway, it, it was just a really good movie, really interesting. I'm fascinated to see what other people are going to think of this, and I think it's going to be very well received. Um, yeah, I think it's going to be very well received, and it makes me really want to see the Shin... Ultraman and uh, Godzilla movies now. So, not that I didn't want to before, but it's even more so. Like, wow, this is this is what can be done with this thing. Um, it's new, but it's true to the original, and it opens up a whole new world of possibilities. Like, there could, I mean, you could have a whole, you know, Showa era Shin. You know, you could have a Shin V three. Um, you could have Shin everybody if you really wanted to, if you were clever enough about it, I guess. And, wow. Yeah, really interesting. Really interesting. I'm very glad I saw it in the theater. And uh, it was quite the experience. So, anyway, that's it for me. I am going to go ahead and get out of here. I hope that you are well. I hope that you be well. Uh, I don't know that I want you to be happy because that's what Shocker wants. <laughs> but if you're well, that's that's good enough for me. So, anyway, until next time, folks, this is MJ signing out. I hope you enjoyed that. Go to mjmunoz.com to leave any questions, comments, or other feedback you might have. There you can find all of my analysis, art, and fiction. I cover books, tokusatsu, comic books, anime, and more. Look around. You're sure to find something else that you'll enjoy as well. This has been a Story Over Everything production.